Good evening, everyone. Let's get started. Good evening, Jen. Hi, Del. How you doing? All right. It's uh, it's Wednesday night, and we're all crossed out. How's uh How's it going? Hey, we're back to Wednesday nights. Yes, we're back to Wednesday right. night. We're back to Zoom. We're like, how am I going to do this next week when it's we're just going to be back on screen again? Because yeah, we it really was fun. We did uh, we did call-in last week uh, in person because we had done the pod before in person. But we hadn't done a call-in in person. Because call-in is live and it's more hangouty. Uh, I actually enjoyed that a lot. I think that um, if we uh, if we have other opportunities to like like live watch the Oscars on call-in, for example, like how fun would that be? That would be a great venue to do that. I mean, it's fucking it's long, so it would be it would definitely be much more fun if, say, like you were you and I were on a couch. You know, with like popcorn and stuff, like watching the Oscars and having Colin on. You know, uh, yeah, seems like a, a kind of a fun thing to do. Yeah, and then hopefully by that point, my brain will stop glitching and I'll stop asking questions like, "How am I going to hear you if my phone is in the other room?" And like, oh, that I'm was an amazing because I'm literally sitting next to you. That was an amazing moment of like uh, technology brain. I have a, I have a funny story like that where my mom once uh, had a party and someone was like trying to get to the party and he called her and said, I'm having a hard time finding a way to get there. And she said, where are you? And he like described the street corner and she said, oh, just go up this road. And he said, I can't. It's like a one way street. And she said, you're on foot. <laughs> and he was like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> just walk up the street. But yes, yeah, I guess I, like- I am allowed to walk. Down a one-way street both ways. Yes. Yes, you're, you are actually allowed to walk down the wrong way down a one-way street. But, you know, they got these stories about people who, like, follow their GPS into a lake. <laughs> you know, that happens every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, technology brain. Uh, the, uh, we, in a way, you could say that in a way we're all cyborgs. At this point, because our, um, like, part of our memory, part of the things that used to be stored in our flesh brains don't live in our flesh brains anymore. They live in our digital brains, like people's phone numbers. You used to remember 50 fucking phone numbers. All your friends' phone numbers used to remember. Now you just remember their, like, at name. (laughs) Exactly. And like, there's also like kind of a force of habit thing where like, obviously we do this and I'm used to doing it this way where we're like on our phones and on cam and it's like, no, no, wait, we're doing this in person. I don't have to like, I I, I don't have to ask these technological questions because clearly I won't be able to hear you because you're sitting next to me. Yeah. Although we did run into a couple of technical hurdles because it's not. It's, it's technically not designed. 
I mean, again, if I hooked us up to like a, a headphone splitter, it would have been fine. We could have done that, by the way. But in a way, like it's this isn't designed to, to be like a two people sitting next to each other on their own phones kind of situation. It is, it's sort of, it's for the, it's a loner's, <laughs> it's a loner, uh, it's a loner ecosystem. Yeah, I, I don't know if it picked up on the last episode of my, like, mad dash to, like, go and throw my phone in your bedroom so that we couldn't get the reverb anymore. No, yeah, because I said I think you hear it on the show because you go put it on the couch face down, but then we can kind of still hear it. It's like, no, you got to go cover it with pillows in the other room. <laughs> I literally had to go, like, throw my phone on his bed. Like, okay, that, now it's far away. Now, now it's far away enough that we don't get the reverb, but indeed. anywho, indeed. I'm Jen and I, yes, Jen and I don't don't get a, a lot of uh, opportunities to hang out, but we definitely we definitely have a lot of fun when we do. Um, and we, you know, we were talking on uh, on uh, on the pod about the stuff that we watched, and um, and one of the topics we were talking about was you know woke wokeness and casting and all that stuff and. And I was going to bring up Black Panther, but then we and we did a little bit. I think we got waylaid, so I think it's worth because you know there was a whole big Marvel thing. Marvel announced all of their shit, right? Because there's well, been yeah, because we had Comic Con. So people have been confused uh, for a little while now. Like, where is all this Marvel thing going? Phase four was this sort of nebulous thing and nobody, it was kind of aimless and nobody knew what was going on and there was, people were waiting for Marvel to do their next thing and they now they did it like twice over. It was COVID, clearly. You you look at you look at this, you look at the, the slate that they announced now after the last couple of years of, uh, of sort of barren wasteland of COVID and it's, it's clear that they were like, let's just like, not half-ass it exactly, but like they weren't. Now they're back full force. They got the next three to four years all kind of skeletally mapped out with a million different projects that they're that they introduce and are going to introduce in uh, in September at D twenty three. Yeah, I mean, just what they announced at Comic Con. I mean, there's so much shit coming out next year. So much, so much stuff. Yes, and Fine. then and an into 2024, Fantastic Four, the, mm-hmm. the the eternally anticipated Fantastic Four movie is coming out three days after the 2024 election. So get ready to either be, you know what, no, I'm not going to, there's no way, I, there's no either or. Get ready for that movie to either, like, to either watch it in a shit mood or for it to perhaps improve your shit mood somewhat. <laughs> but... What we want to start with is, obviously, they released at Comic-Con the trailer for Wakanda Forever, which this is the first official Marvel trailer. And it's it's still branded as a Black Panther movie, although, obviously, we know there is going to be no Black Panther in this I mean, barely. I mean, it's barely branded Black Panther, if you look at it. It's like a teeny Black Panther, and then it's a big... mm -hmm. There is going to be a Black Panther in it. There is a Black Panther in the trailer. You see for half a second from the back, somebody is Black Panther. They don't want to tell you who it is. Is it Shuri? Is it Nakia? Is it Killmonger back from the dead? We don't know. What we do know is it's not going to be T'Challa because they decided not to recast Chadwick Boseman. And there's been a movement. There was a movement a little while back, and it's 
it's gaining more traction, even though it's now, it's definitely not going to happen, uh, to recast T'Challa. Um, and the reasoning behind it is something that I think is totally right, which is you're taking like the most iconic a black comic book character and you're gating it behind one actor, you know, and maybe uh, denying somebody, other actors a chance to, to, you know, to play this iconic role when that's never really been the case with other big iconic roles. You know, people get recast. How many iconic Batman actors have you had? There have been like at least three iconic Jokers. Now you can now, we're, we're going to talk about that in a second. But the idea is, and yeah, I know it's the same universe, but they did that. They recast the Hulk in this universe. They recast uh, uh, War Machine in this universe. Mm-hmm. You could do it. They're all the kids are now being recast. Cassie, who's uh, who's uh, Ant Man's daughter, was recast twice. You know, like there's, it's not, it fucking happens. And for once, it's because somebody died, and not like contract negotiations or creative differences. You know, it was something. It was force majeure. You know, exactly. Like if you wanted to recast T'Challa. Everybody understands why you're doing it. It's not because you're rejecting Bozeman or you think that he did a bad job. He passed away tragically. Everybody knows that. Everybody gets it. So it's not like it would even be a controversial thing. I mean, like I said, you're not passing over Bozeman in favor of another actor. It's he just he de- literally can't play the role anymore because he's he not de- Yeah, he definitely would not have wanted this. I mean, I don't know Chadwick Boseman, but if you said to him, hey, we could either, like, prop up another black actor by recasting this, or we could just leave it alone forever so that only you have ever played him. I don't know, man. And I think there's even a quote where he said, like, the character isn't me, I'm not the character, it's bigger than me, all kinds of stuff like that. Now, I was looking into the timetable. Because I remember it being a rash decision. I don't remember timetables because who fucking remember, especially during COVID. But I was going to look into the timetables because I remember that it, was, that it felt knee jerk. It felt like in the heat of the moment, they were like, don't worry, we're not going to recast him. And uh, so he died in August of 2020, late August of 2020. And in early December, so three and a half months later. Feige came out and said, we're not recasting and not using digital. We're not going to do a CG. Like or yes. Yeah. Um, so three and a half months, you know, like 10 weeks or something like that. Um, no, sorry. Uh, like uh, thir- 13 or 14 weeks. And I told this to you. And the first thing you said to me was, "What? how long did it take? Uh, Christopher Nolan to announce that Heath Ledger wasn't going to get recast. And I looked it up and it's so, so Heath Ledger died in January of 2008, something like that. Uh, the dark Knight came out six months after he died in July of that year, two, like two years after that in June of 2020 was when Nolan came out and said, no, I'm not recasting. And then the dark uh, Knight rises came out a a further two years after that. So they came out about four years apart, which is a lot. Yeah. 
and it's it, it, we use this comp because it's really the only kind of comparable situation where I mean obviously with Black Panther obviously Black Panther T'Challa was the main character but when you look at the Dark Knight it was very much to me, and, and I disagreed with this decision at the time when Nolan made it, because it was very clear that in The Dark Knight, they were kind of setting up the idea that the Joker was also going to be in The Dark Knight Rises, and that this was going to be like an ongoing sort of character arc development between Batman versus the Joker, and we were finally going to get like that kind of deeper exposition between the two of them as far as like mental states and everything like that, but then he decided that they weren't going to recast the Joker, which, to be fair, it's a slightly different situation with Dark Knight because Heath Ledger committed suicide. And one of the reasons that was cited was that his his performance, his getting into the role as the Joker, fucked him up mentally. So I can understand in that situation being a little gun shy about possibly trying to recast because you're kind of in the situation be like, okay, well, the last guy that played this role, he committed suicide. So do you want to take this role? But I still disagreed with that decision because of course, again, everybody knew the situation. Everybody knew what happened. And so any actor that was going to be willing to step into that role knew the backstory, knew what happened to Heath Ledger. And so they would be going into that with that knowledge. Bosworth died of cancer. I mean, he didn't commit suicide. It wasn't anything like that. He just, he died tragically of natural causes. So it, it feels even dumber in this particular situation because it's not like the character of Black Panther or T'Challa was invented specifically for Boswick to play that character. Bozeman. Bozeman, sorry. Chad, Chad, it's the Wick, wick is the, yes. Chadman, Chadman, Chad, Chadman, Chadman like the ever, yes. but we can talk about that later. Chadman, yeah. Chadman, Chadman Boswick. That's the, Black that's Panther what we should man name. who died of cancer. <laughs> that's what, that's what we should call, that's what we should name, rename the episode. Chadman <laughs> Boswick. I like that. That's going to be my new, that's going to be my new alias. <laughs> I'm the Chad man. Um, yeah, but yeah, so, and, and, but, but anyway, but yeah, that's my point. But like, it's not a situation where this was like a role that was created for him. It's just a role that he played. And so it's like the idea of not recasting seems a, a bit ridiculous, honestly. I now, mean, now, look, I understand. So here, there's an aspect. I know that the, some people who listen to this and like who follow me and stuff don't hate talking about this stuff. But yeah, I do think that there are levels on which like, you know, uh, like uh, like black uh, people uh, connected with Black Panther uh, on, you know, on levels that, you know, maybe if you're white, you didn't. And I like I understand why it was like super important to people who were like fans of that shit since they were kids and never thought a movie like that would get like such a big platform. And so it meant a lot that like I get that. But that announcement made when it was made felt like it was made to not piss those people off without thinking about whether it actually would or not and not, you know, maybe giving it a year thinking about it. It felt like they really wanted to get ahead of any kind of 
of people saying, like, no, no, that would be disrespectful. First of all, it would not be disrespectful to him. Like, look, again, like I said, I understand that some people connected on this movie, with this movie on a very deep level. It's still a Disney movie <laughs> about a fucking... And by the way, lest we forget that Black Panther and Wakanda are things that were invented by two white guys <laughs> in the <laughs> 60s, right? Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, I think, invented Black Panther. Yeah. And so, but again, that doesn't discount people, like people's emotions. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to invalidate anybody's emotions. I said that I saw a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, like African-Americans become comic book fans because of Black Panther. And it was really cool to watch. It was really cool to see that be their gateway. And like, I saw a lot of people come, come in and like to Infinity War, hot off watching Black Panther, getting into it, watching all the movies and then being like, holy shit, Infinity War, I gotta go see Infinity War, right? And I thought that was awesome. Like, I thought that was great. Uh, and But, like, I and I do think that the right move would have been let's give it to another actor because it's like, yeah. it's important enough to have, it's so, it's, it's so weird. And, and when they were asked about this now, promoting uh, Wakanda Forever, their answers were a little weird. Like Kugler said something like, "Well, yeah, what kind? You know, what kind is bigger than than Black Panther?" Again, I don't mind. I wouldn't mind at all if this would be some kind of war movie that is ensemble based or whatever. But Wakanda is more of a setting than its own thing. I mean, you. I guess you could. Ma- I don't know. Make it good. The movie looks good. It looks like it's gonna steal Avatar's thunder because it has a bunch of blue people that live underwater <laughs> and like. And divers are going to meet them, and they're riding with whales. It's going to be totally. The people are going to make lots of fun of it. They're going to. It's. They're going to be like, oh, it's still Avatar's Thunder. But here's the thing, like, okay, so all the argumentation about representation and all that stuff in cinema and the MCU aside, okay, so you have a character that people have connected with. I don't understand limiting or possibly eliminating completely that character, Black Panther, T'Challa. And I, I, I put it that way because there's there's been some fan speculation about how they're going to handle the Black Panther part of this. But I mean, would you not want that character to continue forth? And like I said, it, this is not a situation where they've like cast aside Bozeman or something like he, he passed away. So obviously you have to recast. This is not. I guess not. I guess not. The best tweet I saw about this was someone said they after all these years, they finally introduced Black Panther and only to kill him three times in a row because he died in Infinity War. He died in the What If Zombies episode, and now he's going to die in Wakanda forever. And so they were like, yeah. "The poor, this poor character, you finally give him a big screen thing, and then all you do is kill him again and again, and that's <laughs> it, and then just leave him alone. Um, and that's like, of- I, actually, I actually watched a video today. That's, that's one of the big fan theories about how they're going to handle T'Challa, at least, is that they're going to show him 
dying in Wakanda forever. And I am, I, you could, I guess, theoretically hand the Black, the Black Panther title over to somebody else, but that feels like kind of like I mean, they a cop will. out to me. They will. But. Well, I mean, I think that in, I think that in the comics, at various points, other people have been the Black Panther. It's this character in spe- specifically that people felt uh, connected yeah. to. But I mean, the movie comes out in November, so we'll we'll. We're, we're gonna be see. We're gonna go see it clearly, yeah. and and see what the what the big deal is. It looks again. It looks big and fun and like fun and uh, the thing that I really enjoyed about the the first Black Panther was first of all I thought it was really well acted, and like I think Angela Bassett's gonna be acting up a storm in this movie, and also like it had some of the best production design, costume design uh, of the whole MCU, all of the impressive African style garb and the, the costume designer went and re- did a lot of research on real African uh, cultures and made this kind of created this kind of combination of things that came from like a very scholarly place. And I think it really shows it's really cool. And and I think they're going to do that here in two ways. You're going to still have like that Wakanda thing. And you're also going to have the Atlanteans and their kind of Mesoamerican aesthetic, which is already being pre-written as problematic oh. and appropriative because yes because <laughs> yes, atlantis is greek and blah 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 right who who cares right i think uh i think we can move on from this i don't know if we have a we have to spend more time on this we could speaking of casting <laughs> decisions <laughs> I say, what, one more point i want to make oh, just, sure just to kind of bring home the bozeman point is like obviously after heath ledger died they didn't recast joker for dark knight but we still moved forward. Joker got his whole own movie with his whole own origin story played by a completely different character. Oh no, that was, like that was the second get... one. That was the second yeah. one. He had, because we had gotten Jared Leto as the Joker even before yeah, that's Joker. And Su- yeah. And Suicide Squad. Yeah. And it looks like we're going to get another iteration of the Joker judging from what we saw in the Batman and oh, nobody yeah. lost her shit. I forgot about that. I forgot like, about that Everybody Joker, has yes. been fine. And now Joker, the second Joker movie is going to come out. And I think Harley Quinn's going to be in it. And she's not going to be Margot Robbie, I think. They said it's going to be a musical. That would be fucking... Mwah. No, no. You're making a face. She's making a face. That would be so good. Someone <laughs> said the like only way... Home. The only way that could have been better is if nobody had known it was a musical until they went to see it. Oh, God. But, like, when you say you don't like a musical, don't think about... Because it's not going to be... It's not going to be like West Side Story. Have you ever seen Baby Driver? Technically, that's kind of a musical. Because the, the 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 movie takes place to music in a way that like regular movies don't. It is kind of described as a musical, but it's very well, unorthodox. See, to me that's, that's not. I'm gonna say that's not a musical to me. Well, what about what about Sweeney Todd? I mean, if you want to say that's a musical, I could say Grease is well. I mean, Grease is yeah, Grease is a musical, and Sweeney Todd. I mean, I mean Sweeney any, Todd like is a anything with like a strong soundtrack is a musical. No, but Sweeney Todd is you know they all sing the songs, and it was a stage play. It's a decades. It's like a it's like a Andrew Lloyd Wright musical based on like an old play. But it's great because it's edgy and it's in, it's sort of interesting and aesthetic and whatever. It, this would probably be an unorthodox 
musical. It wouldn't be it, it wouldn't be just a classic musical as a as a as a sequel like to Oklahoma. Joker. <laughs> as a sequel to the bleakest movie of the decade, Joker. <laughs> um, because yeah, because that movie is terrific, and I don't know that I will ever watch it again. Maybe once before the second one comes out. But it is it's not a it's not an easy movie to sit down and watch, right? It's it's a it's a it's a it's a rough movie. You know, maybe if I you know, if if I wanna introduce someone to it, I would sit down and watch it with them. But it's a it's it's not a fun it's not a romp. Yeah, but my, my whole point with bringing that up was that there's plenty of people who have played Joker since Heath Ledger died, and we all have lived and survived, and it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's been fine. Yeah. So you can you can recast Black Panther. You can. It is low key. Ins- yeah. It is low key. You're right. It is low key insulting that that it is that he's getting this treatment that is that is again unfair. It's faux reverent. It's get out reverent. You know, it's get out style complimentary. It's it's thinking that putting uh, something on a pedestal in this way, someone, not something, they're actually putting someone on a pedestal here. And they think it's like it's it, it, they're paying respect to all black people by doing this. And they're like, uh, could you please give another black actor some work? Yeah. No, no, we're no. J- oh, Chadwick, Chadwick. And they're like, can you there's a. There's a bunch of really good actors here who could play Black Panther. No, no, that would be racist. <laughs> I'll get Kevin Feige and every every uh, every other white Disney executive. <laughs> be like, no, I would have voted for Obama a third time, just like the dad from Get Out. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think uh, you want to move. You want to move on to the other casting, to the other casting story <laughs> that made me laugh really to, hard. Let's move on to trashy Netflix dating shows. I, I'll call it a dating show, even though they're technically it's not dating per se. They but called it a on the show. The, on the show, they branded it a social experiment. They always say like, because you know, like uh, on The Bachelor, I think they'll say something like journey. Like, you know, when I started this journey, I blah, blah, blah. And here they're like, when I started this experiment, I never believed that I would fall in love with someone with never, without ever even seeing them. Because yeah, we're talking about love is blind. Which is uh, uh, produced, I think, uh, but but hosted by the Lachey's, Nick Lachey mm-hmm. and Vanessa Lachey. Yeah, I think they're produced too. But do do you want to explain the backstory, or do you want me to explain it? Well, I mean, there, for I, people who have not seen the show. So okay, so so the 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 premise of Love Is Blind is that it's a bunch of guys and a bunch of girls, and they go on a series of dates, but they can't see each other. They're in these like rooms where there's a, just a wall in between them. And so the point is like they want them to like find true love before seeing them and in order to see whether love is blind. That's like the the uh, you know, like the operative question is, is love really blind? Can you, you know, fall deeply in love with someone before you even see them? Um, and I actually just thought of a funny joke because I like the the. The things that they go on their dates in are, they call them the pods. The pods, yeah. So like we're dating in the pods. Yes. <laughs> we fell in love in the pods, they say. In the pods. Yes. And uh, and then at some point, like, they, you know, they propose. The idea is that, like, they, yeah. they propose, 
bef- and you know, and then after, if the other person says yes, then they get to meet each other in person. Um, now you can imagine how trashy this is, obviously, and uh, much like other uh, shows in which you can see your your partner, being in that environment probably facilitates like developing emotions like really strong and really quickly and and shit. Um, and uh, there, there have been two seasons of this show. The first season was like early COVID. Everybody watched Tiger King and Love is Blind. Those were the two mm-hmm. things. They kind of dropped sort of at the same time. And those were like the big things. I remember watching Love is Blind like during quarantines, like during 2020 quarantines. And it was great. Second season, not so great. Because they already kind of knew the premise, I think. You know, the second season of something like this is never as good. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, the the... I don't want to call them contestants because that's not correct. The, <laughs> participants. The, the participants. Subjects. <laughs> kind of know what they're walking into. But the, the point of bringing this up is in that every dating show, social experiment, whatever you want to call it, there's casting decisions made. Like reality shows are reality up to a point. I mean, obviously, the people that are on the show are chosen for certain reasons. And so what, what was this? Like was, was Vanessa giving an interview? Yeah. About, <laughs> so Vanessa Lachey got interviewed. Yeah. Got interviewed about the show. So there was also another show that they did called the ultimatum, uh, which is a little different and, and was a show for sociopaths because so I'm like, much worse. <laughs> well, yes. Cause unlike love is blind, which people could just go on. Cause they're just like people we're looking for love, I guess. And they're like, hey, sure, I'll try this like weird ass thing. And maybe it'll increase my Instagram followers. But the ultimatum is like t- toxic, weird couples. Because like the, the premise of it is like one of the one it's couples who like one of them wants to get married and the other doesn't. And so it's about them giving their 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 partner like an ultimatum. But the twist is like they get to spend a bunch of time with other hot people. <laughs> <laughs> to see if like they might change their minds about it. Yeah, they like it, it, the idea is like they go there as a couple, and then they meet other couples, and then they pair off with somebody else, and then they go live as quote unquote husband and wife. Which yes. I basically, I, basically, basically every couple on that show was one. Like let's say it, it was the girl because it was mixed, but uh, let's say it was the girl. It was all one of the of the members of the couple trying to bluff the other person into marrying them, trying to be like, all right, if you're not going to marry me, go, go fuck someone else. And then they do. And the other person is like, fuck, I've made a terrible mistake. This happens. This happens a bunch of times when they were like, I only did this to, I was only bluffing. And now he's seven seconds with this girl who's way hotter than me. It was just, it really was a disaster, but uh, love is blind. So Vanessa Lachey gave this interview about the show and she was like, she was asked why, essentially she was asked, why is everybody hot on it? If the point of the show is love is blind, why aren't there, they called it diverse bodies. Just say, why aren't there any like obese or short people or people who are not, you know, like. Or anyone that's only like a five. Yeah. I mean, there are like, I mean, it depends. I think there were a couple of guys there who were like over six feet, you know, nice abs and shit. I mean, not that I'm, you know, I don't know. My type, my, my taste in men is, (laughs) 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 
Um, but uh, and the but we can go off. Your, we we can go off your tasted women, and you can agree that yes. all the women on both seasons were object like objectively good-looking women. Yes, to to to, to sort of very, you know to 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 greater and lesser degrees. But yes, yeah. all of them fall well within the definition of like attractive people who probably went through casting directors and were like, yes, you're attractive. And so she was asked about this, and she gave like a very. Uh, a very clumsy, awkward answer. Because how do you explain it other than it's television, stupid? Because that's the answer. Why? Because viewers want to watch uh, beautiful people fall in love. They don't want to watch unattractive people fall in love. Or maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe if you put unattractive people. But the, if you do, if you put, if you stick, you know, if half the people on it will be morbidly obese, people will watch for the voyeuristic nature of like, will somebody get disappointed if they discover the woman they fell in love with is obese. And so they have to like maintain a kind of like a window of, I don't know, it might be in their contracts even. Like we hereby guarantee that every woman is at least a six. You know? <laughs> Here's the thing, like going into season two, like season one, everybody is pretty much conventionally attractive. Going into season two, I noticed before they got to the part where they really started like filming the show, when they started doing like the be real of everybody that was there, yeah. Like, blah, 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 blah. yeah, yeah, there were there were a couple of overweight women who oh, magically were they? didn't make it onto the show. I didn't, see, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. Yeah, the thing I, I did notice. That. So the thing yeah. I did notice is one of the main plot through lines in season two was this guy Shake. And Sheikh, uh, who was like a South Asian of some sort, Indian, Pakistani, I can't remember. Yeah, he's Indian. Indian. He ends up falling in love with this other Indian girl. Uh, but he, the whole through line of the entire season was this guy's shallow. This guy really cares about looks. He was like sneaking in the pods, was sneaking all these questions about looks. Like, how hard would it be for me to? I like, I like, uh, I like carrying a girl on my shoulders. How hard would that be? Yeah, <clears throat> you know, kind of stuff like that. And so he got the reputation of being like, you know, like the shallow guy, the guy who isn't there to freely find blind love. And so he, you know, he falls in love with the this, the Indian girl that's on there, but then he's not attracted to her. They have they have a great like they have a great click in terms of like hanging out and they you know they're on the same page about a lot of stuff but he finds that he's not attracted to her um, and then you know it that came up he spoke about it it got back to her she refused that the you know she dumped him at the wedding or whatever and then in the reunion episode. The reunion episode of season two is one of the most cringe things I've ever seen. Yeah, Jen's yeah. grabbing. Jen is pinching the bridge of her nose. She's getting yeah. a headache just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> because they all turn on him. I mean, he also like spe- he d- will not. Sh- he will not stop burying himself. Like he keeps talking, and it just keeps getting worse. Um, but after all that shit. After he gets scolded by the Lachaise and after everybody thinks that he's a jerk off or whatever, turns out the casting of the show is like, we can't have ugly people out here. What are you, crazy? (laughs) (laughs) They won't fuck. They'll never. It'll never work if somebody's a, you know, if somebody's fat. And so, yeah, thanks a lot. I mean, I bet Shake read that interview like, yeah, fuck off, bitch. You know? (laughs) After all you, after all you did to me. Now, to be fair, he was awful. 
He was a cringy yeah. douchebag. And, 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 you know, and, and if he wasn't attracted to her, there are infinitely more, like, infinitely nicer ways to go about that. Especially if you, like, enjoy that person's company as a person, you know, and instead of being disgusting and, like, saying to your friends, like, man, kissing her is like kissing my cousin <laughs> or whatever, like, being a shit about it. Yeah, I mean, there's, like... He was a dickbag about it the whole show. But, and this was something that I had said at the time. And so we were like, everybody's slamming him about pointing out that looks matter. And like, yeah, looks matter to certain degrees to certain people. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and, and this just basically reaffirms that fact that, yeah, yes, looks do matter. And, and, and physical chemistry, physical yes. physical chemistry matters. It's it's just a, it's a it's an as, it's yeah. an aspect. And I, I understand kind of where Vanessa is going with this because imagine the backlash that this show would have gotten if they did have like an overweight woman or like a plain guy or whatever, like somebody who's not like super physically attractive. Okay, and they're dating somebody in the pods, and somebody proposes. They get to the point where they're they they do the long walk through this like whole tunnel, and it's like, oh my god! And it's like somebody looks at you like, oh. And I mean, and there are situations like that in the show. Like you can really tell, like at that first physical meeting, when somebody's genuinely into it and when they're not, like let's, let's keep it real. But I mean, if it was a, a little bit, yeah. But if it was the situation where, like, it, it was an overweight woman, and they meet for the first time, like her and the guy meet for the first time, and he rejects her hard. Oh my god! Well, well that's what I'm saying. Like, the show would become something very different. The show would become. A vo- like a voyeur, like a tabloidy voyeurism, meaning like oh, wanting to watch for somebody's misery. Whereas essentially, Love Is Blind is about rooting for success, right? The whole point of watching the show is like oh, I really want this is cool. I want I, you know I want this couple to, yeah. to work out. You know, it's not so much about drama. Uh, they even tried in season two a lot to like hype up drama that was that that clearly wasn't really there. There was one mm-hmm. couple where they kept editing it to seem like they were fighting all the time and that maybe she was going to say no. But not only did she say yes, they turned out to be a really great couple. And so, you know, and I do think, by the way, I think there are couples that you never see on the show. I think that they have extras and then maybe yeah. a few of them are less interesting and don't make the cut. Uh, yeah. Because there's big groups in the beginning. And yeah. by the end, you only see four or five pairs. Now, some people won't pair at all. But I, I think that I have this theory that uh, there are one or two couples that do so well that they're not worth showing. You know, they just connect. They're they're great. And then there's no interesting content. They're just on the same page. <laughs> they like each other or or they collude. I had this theory maybe that they collude to be boring, to be like we fell in love. Let's like just be super uninteresting so that like we yeah. don't make the cut and then, you know, maintain our privacy or something like that. I, I, I feel like people might game the production like that. 
and, and that is a possibility, but I'm also thinking about like the fact that obviously Nick and Vanessa are executive producers on this show. So you have to think about things like that. And you have to think about the horrifyingly bad press that would come of a situation of like somebody just completely rejecting an overweight woman. I mean, that, that would well, be, they would be, that I would mean, be they the blow would up. Be, I mean, yes. and, and that, and, and that would be the blow up. It wouldn't even be like, if it was a situation where a woman rejected an overweight man, nobody would give a shit. Like that. Would oh, not I see what you thing. mean. I see what you mean. I, I mean, maybe, and maybe not because it, 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 it could. The thing about the internet is it's unpredictable. And, and a thing that you think might not set people off might end up setting people off in a big way. But like I said, it's the show. We all understand. We all understand why uh, why a production wants attractive people on a show like this. And not every week. Like we know it, it's – but there is no sensitive way to explain it. It's a, it's a reality that everybody understands uh, uh, there's even a term for it in Hebrew that there isn't in English, like where you, where, where if you want to go like on a, and it's it, like, for, for example, if you want to go like on a Jeopardy or on a Wheel of Fortune, mm-hmm. part of the audition process is that they put you through like a mock game show to see if you're, an, an, like if you go on Wheel of Fortune, yeah. you know how they always like clap and they say, hey, like can, yeah, I'd like, like to solve this. Day at the beach, you know, like not everybody can do that. And so some people like are, you know, make the cut, but fall on that stuff. Like they're, they're mumbly. They're not well-spoken. They don't read well on screen, which is what the Hebrew term is. Uh, They say, does this person pass, like pass the screen test essentially? Yeah. Um, And so in that same way, on a show that involves like you know romance and dating and stuff, there there is this sort of understanding that they want attractive people on it. I, what are you gonna do? It's a and trashy think- genre. It's not a classy genre. You know, <laughs> I don't understand what you, you you're 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 worried that this disgusting you know like the disgusting trash is exclusionary to to heavyweight people. It's good that they're not part of it. And also, I mean, especially with reality shows of what, like what you were saying, when you're kind of casting, you also got to cast for people who are comfortable doing certain things on camera. Like, I don't know is if I would be super comfortable, like making out with somebody PDAs. on camera, yeah. like, uh, like that probably wouldn't be my jam, but like, obviously that's going to be part of the role, quote unquote, if you're on like a reality dating show. And so like, you got to kind of filter for that too. And I mean, I, there's a lot of, I, I, I think Vanessa actually used the word like insecure for explaining why certain people don't make it onto the show or they don't pick certain people. It's because like, oh, because they're insecure about their bodies and stuff like that. Well, but that's so, also, that was also one of her uh, ex- like excuses for why there aren't like unattractive people on the show. She's like the contestants are, in, you know, insecure to, you know, and we don't want to like, we, we don't want to feed into their anxiety that that, that might be, some kind of hurdle they want. Like I said, I, I, I jokingly said their contract says the, the, you know, the women all have to be at least a six, 
But I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there is some sort of situation where the producers are like, yes, everyone is at least to some degree or other attractive or, or that there is that understanding that the contestants know that generally speaking shows like this have mostly attractive people. And so they trust that this show would also have mostly attractive people. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's funny only because of the whole season two drama and Shake getting totally dragged for being look centric, which I mean, like I said, he went about it in like the most douchebag way possible. Yeah. But also that is a thing. And I, and obviously if you're going on a show called Love is Blind and you're trying to like suss out somebody's looks, you're kind of doing it wrong. But then again, that's also what the producers and the casting directors were doing. So, like, all right, who who was wrong here? Like, who 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 was really the bad guy? But let's let's move on to the pink sauce because again, this is this also ties in to the theme about attractive people. So, yeah. I did not know about the pink sauce until recently. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm not on TikTok at all. I I deliberately do not have like TikTok on my phone. I very rarely feel like a FOMO about it. If there's some kind of meme that I miss out on or something like that, it's very rare. I see enough t- enough of the TikTok content gets on Twitter via reposts so that I don't bother about it. But there is a thing that goes on on TikTok. The you know, like the Tide Pod thing, teens are eating Tide Pods or whatever, and that was like a whole cycle. TikTok is just that over and over and over again. It's just some new thing. Did you see people are developing psychosomatic neurogenetic tics because of TikTok? Because someone said someone said on TikTok that Tourette's is contagious, and now a lot of TikTokers mm-hmm. think they get Tourette's from TikTok. All kinds of shit like that. It's like socially contagious. I say Twitter is toxic because people here are mean. TikTok is toxic because you buy a sauce that somebody made in South Florida in their kitchen. Didn't wasn't honest about what the the ingredients were in it allegedly, and then sent it unrefrigerated to you. Uh, and <laughs> and th- yeah, uh, and then you you get botulism maybe. <laughs> Okay, so the pink sauce, for those of you who don't know, um, there is a TikToker, um, Chef, actually, I think it's supposed to be Chef P. Chef P, I think it is, yes. Uh, and she is a chef. And she is a chef, by the way, by all accounts, she is a chef. Like, that's the thing. The thing that this isn't is some kind of scam, right? It's some kind of trick. It is, by all accounts, somebody who is trying to build a thing. It's all about how she's doing it and what kind of carts she's putting before what kind of horses on her path to do it. You know, like getting FDA approval before you sell it to people. (laughs) Yeah. And, And so I started going down a YouTube rabbit hole to find out exactly where this particular drama started because it all kind of blew up. It's like, okay, so this woman is selling this sauce. It's pink sauce. It's called pink sauce because it's pink. And it has ingredients in it that you should really be refrigerating or making sure that they're shelf stable before you ship them. And she's not, and she's shipping them, and people are buying them. 
and this shit is $20 a bottle, and the whole thing's goddamn ridiculous. But here's what I think I figured out what happened here. Um, I, I, in watching these YouTube videos, they showed the clips of her eating the pink sauce. And I, I, I'll, I'll try to sanitize this as much as I possibly can. Um, so basically, these are TikToks of her with her pink sauce. And she's in her kitchen, in her car, wherever. And she's got her sauce. And she's just like dousing food in this sauce and then eating it. And she's a fairly attractive woman. And so you have this fairly attractive woman on TikTok eating this food that is just dripping with sauce. That is like biting into it and it's dripping down the sides of her mouth. Yes. And you say pink, by the way. Yes. When you say pink, what you mean is it's it's Pepto-Bismol pink. Yes, it is. It's not like, yes, it is pink. It looks disgusting. It looks like, have you ever seen, there was a, a study, I think, that was done once about if you dye certain foods like a weird color, people will mm-hmm. get like, if you dye spaghetti green, like a gross green color, yeah. it has no flavor in it. People won't want to eat it because it like, it just, it looks wrong. And this looks like somebody took, you know, a sauce, dyed it like, like neon pink and then put it on food to be like disgusting, to be like, look, I'm putting pink paint all over my food and eating it. No, no. Oh, no, 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 no. She's not doing it to be disgusting. This is a this is a particular fetish that she's leaning into. Oh, you think it's that? You think it's a fetish thing? Yeah. Because a it, lot it of people... Thing. Go ahead. Because a lot of people talking about this are saying there's this whole aspect of like, I want to support small businesses. Yes, I'm going to complain about this person, but I want, I really want to support small because that's also what she said, like in, in response, cause she's been like answering criticism. She says they're under approval processes. She said a couple of things that got heavily mocked cause she said something about the FDA. She was like, this isn't, this isn't medicine. No. And someone was like, what does the F and FDA stand for? <laughs> that was even trending. But- F and FDA was trending. <laughs> but yeah, like even before that, about how, Pink sauce even became a oh, thing okay. sure, to be sure. purchasable sure. in the first place. So she makes this sauce, and it's this very runny sauce, and she's dumping it all over chicken nuggets and hamburgers and cobs of corn and all sorts of other shit, and shoving it in her mouth. Okay, so I, I, again, this is I. This is the same way, like. I, I, I'm still baffled as to how, like, mukbang videos became, like, mainstreamed because the first time I saw one, I was like, what kind of food fetish bullshit is this? But, but yeah, it's it leading in that whole thing of, like, you, you're, you're an attractive woman and you're putting this drippy food in your mouth and it's getting all over the place. And anywho, so she becomes very popular because she's making these videos and so everybody starts asking about pink sauce. And so she decides that she's going to start selling the pink sauce. And from what we can figure, um, she started making it like in her home, in her kitchen, which there's a a ton of regulatory issues with that because you can't really sell stuff that you make out of your own kitchen anyway. 
She starts making it, bottling it, selling it for $20 a pop. $20 for a bottle of fucking sauce, y'all. So she starts selling it. People buy it. People buy it, which this is another, another thing in and of itself. But people start buying it. They start getting it. And the first batch is like she didn't even ship them properly. She just shipped them in like those little like plastic bags that sometimes you just get like pills and stuff in. And so like the bottles exploded, like the sauce went everywhere. Eventually she figured out how to ship things. But even then, like the ones that she was shipping, like you could see the bottles were like super expanded because bacteria had grown in them and they started like like developing oxygen and stuff because that's what bacteria does when it starts growing. Yeah, and something, so, containers that are uh, like inflated and when you open them up, they go like and they're and it's not no. something that's specifically meant to do that. No, you're like a like a puffy like a puffy uh, um, what do you call it uh, like uh, canned food, you know, yeah. like a can of beans. It's a little puffy. You're like, oh boy, no. this is going right in the garbage. Yeah, that means bacteria has started yes. growing in there. Something is fermenting in there, and I want none of it. It's not beer. No. It's fucking dead. It's not death. beer. It's not kimchi. It's, it's, it's going in the fucking trash. It's, it's Yes, it's not kimchi. <laughs> that was a clue on Jeopardy, by the way. I yelled I yelled kimchi at the screen <laughs> at the top of my lungs. Kimchi! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things, if, if things are fermenting and they're not supposed to be fermenting, that's bad. Don't need yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah. it's just, uh, yeah. Anyway, like, I, like I said, it's this weird, it's a thing. Cause, 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 and like I said, I think that, uh, um, potentially she will eventually like overcome this like initial like hurdle of nonsense, maybe not get sued or whatever, learn how to put preservatives in her things or to properly refrigerate it. But like in the olden days, she would just go out to like a, a farmer's market like on a Sunday with a bunch of her sauce or like a cookout and sell it like at a cook, mm-hmm. you know, like at a barbecue cookout like or something like that. Farmer's market or something. Right. Or Slow, but, and, and like, you know, slowly build like a local business or whatever, but because of the way social media works, it kind of blew up to the point where people across the country wanted this stuff shipped to them during like a national heat wave. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's sent in like at the back of like a FedEx truck where it's like, 750 degrees or something like that because yeah because like even because a minimum you could do is like pack it in dry ice for example not that that would that would still probably not be good enough unless you can overnight it because i mean you have to when you when you make food like that this is like for it's like um, a mayonnaise-based sauce even though it doesn't say so yeah which is a, a, a problem yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of, if you look at the ingredients and you know what you're looking at, you know that you're basically either using mayo or you're making mayo in the process. But you have to make sure that that's shelf stable and it's shippable and all that good stuff. But in kind of researching this whole drama, there, it, it reminded me, and this isn't an exact analogy, but it reminded me of the whole Belle Dauphine bathwater situation yeah, yeah. gamer girl bathwater yes and, and if you don't if for those who don't know Belle Dephine, it was a very famous gamer girl i think she was she on twitch i think she was yes, a twitch girl yes she now she's mostly she's an all she makes millions and millions well, on only fans she's one of the biggest yeah 
her and Amaranth, I think, make like millions a year on, on OnlyFans. She's a British... By the way, Abel Delphine is a troll, just so you know. Like, Belle Delphine is not, is actually not a, the, like, what you see her do is a character. She knows exactly what she's doing, and she made lots and lots of money doing it. And, um, but, yeah, she at some point sold her, ba- like, she took a bath and bottled water. Allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, uh, who, I mean who really people knows? Dra- yeah. People bought it and drank it. YouTubers, like, bought it and did <laughs> laugh experiments on it. Yeah, like it, it became like a whole thing, but people bought it. I mean, because she, I, in, and, and again, this kind of plays into some stereotypes about female gamers, but basically she became popular and famous because she's very beautiful and she would dress provocatively on her streams while she's playing the video games. And so the whole idea was like, you're selling this bath water slash pink sauce for simps. To, to your simps. Exactly. You're selling it to your simps. Like, oh, I don't no, know but if that's pink not sauce what's happening here. No. Oh. oh, oh, I see what you mean. No, I don't know. Again, I think you're, I, I see, because, because, you know, again, we were saying all of these things like are, are alleged, you know, what appears to be from TikToks and stuff. Nobody's asserting anything about what this lady is or isn't doing. But like I said, I actually think that the the thing that's going on here is that she is trying to she is trying to make a like a successful product, but she's getting ahead of herself because she did a thing on TikTok and all of a sudden five hundred people sent her a message. Oh my god, I'll pay twenty bucks for a bottle of this. And she was like, "Fuck, I can. This is great." Didn't think it through. You know, I told you <laughs> I'm going to tie this back into me because I'm the only thing important. <laughs> but I told you that I have this thing where, like, if I want to buy something, I got to, like, hit the brakes because if I'm too rash, like, I'll order the wrong thing and then I got to replace it and whatever. And I feel like she almost got into that kind of situation where instead of saying, like, oh, this is great, but I can't, I got to, like, go through a whole process of approval. She was like, fuck it. I'll just send some sauce, make some money. People want to buy it. But I mean, I think it's a combination of people that originally wanted to buy it or, you know, simps and people who wanted to be hype beasts. Like, I don't know. I, I, I'm questioning how many people, like, bought this sauce to, like, use in their kitchen on, like, a regular basis. That's Yes, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad point because TikTok has a thing. There is no real name for it, but it is the culture of iteration where you iterate on somebody's TikTok. And so you're right. Somebody does a thing with pink sauce. And so somebody wants to do a play on it to riff on it, which is a, a TikTok thing they're called. It's not even a duet because there are duets, right? Where it's the split screen where you can do like a co, you know, like you can react yeah. in real time to somebody else's TikTok. But people also iterate on TikTok jokes. And so in order to do that, you need pink sauce. And so what you're going to do, you're going to get it from the person. Unless you want to put Pepto-Bismol on your chicken wings and eat them on a TikTok. Or it's even like just the, the situation of buying it to say that you bought it and to say yeah. that you have it so that you can make content about it. Like, yeah, that's why I'm sure. being a hype beast about it. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. In the older days, I remember like 10, 12 15 years ago uh, in New- when I was living in New York, the whole thing was like every once in a while there'd be this new thing. Cronuts was one of them. And so New Yorkers would stand in it six hours in line to get a cronut. Why? Because they had to have a cronut? Oh, it wasn't. No, this was pre that. This was just so you could tell your friends that you had a cronut. Or, I mean, this was like MySpace era. We're talking like... 
2008, 2009. Twitter is very young. It's mostly like a status symbol at like social gatherings at that point where you're like, oh, I had the cronut. Yeah, and that's why I kind of tie it back to like the, the bathwater thing. It's like you, you buy the bathwater because you want to say that you have it. Like I got one of the jars of Belle Dauphine's bathwater because they sold out like super quick and they were limited and you want to say that you had it. Because You're right. You, I don't think anybody like bought it because they worship her so much that even they would even want to do something filthy with her bathwater. No, I don't believe that. You're right. Everybody who bought it bought it because it was a thing that was happening and it would be funny for the meme, for the lulls. You know, everybody yeah. bought it for the lulls, essentially. Um, and yeah, I think we're uh, we're kind of drifting towards the end of the show. Uh, this was like a, a, a random, funny, fun show, I guess, <laughs> where we just discussed nothing in particular. Um, uh, yeah. Um, thank you very much for listening. And uh, yeah, you guys got to come discuss nothing in particular with us. Yeah, it's been a kind of it's been a it's been a bit of a quiet a quiet show. I think that I think that when we talk about politics, sometimes people are are more like have more to contribute. But yeah, like oh, you're as always. We we can actually mention this at the top of the show going forward. Like hey, if you have ch there's a chat going, there's a, a queue you can hop on that kind of thing just to to maybe uh, to maybe entice people to do it. Uh, before we do our plugs, let me just mention one more time that uh, my appearance on Colin Moriarty's Sacred Symbols Plus is up on YouTube. It, also, I tweeted it. It's uh, If you want, you could just search YouTube for Sacred Symbols Plus. The name of the episode apparently is Gamergate, which is just terrific. Ter <laughs> uh, that's what <laughs> I want. My that. name is further associated with Gamergate. Uh, it was a great appearance. People, his audience seemed to like it. So it's just about gaming and politics and kind of culture war stuff in general. So yeah, check it out. And uh, yeah, Jen, uh, take it away. Okay, so you are here. So you already know where to find us on Colin. Obviously all tossed out Wednesday nights, 8.30 Eastern. Obviously you can catch us here live or you can catch it afterwards on either the Colin app or any of your podcast catchers. Our main podcast, Ambitious Crossover Attempt, drops on Mondays, usually in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon, who knows? But you can catch that on any of your podcast catchers on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon slash Audible, anywhere that you want to catch that. Um, you can find us on Twitter at AMBXOver. You can find me on Twitter at ThatGenMonroe and on Substack at GenMonroe.Substack.com. Awesome. I'm Neon Taster on Twitter and also YouTube.com slash C slash Neon Taster and Twitch.tv slash Neon Taster. Uh, and uh, that's uh, about it. So uh, thank you for listening and we will uh, catch you all on Monday on Ambitious Crossover Attempt. Thank you. Good night. Good night, Jen. Good night, everybody. Good night, Noah.